Welcome to Manager Tools. Never rank candidates. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. Should I rank candidates as I interview them? Should I have my staff rank candidates as they are interviewed? What do I do if my number one candidate isn't interviewing well? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. This week's content is brought to you by the Manager Tools Effective Manager Conference. You may not know it, but we host over 100 public conferences on management communications and interviewing throughout the year, throughout the United States and overseas as well. Many of our listeners become licensees and come to conferences where they say, I never realized the depth of the information behind what I learned in the podcast, and this really made me motivated to roll out the tools. We look forward to seeing you there. I think folks are going to be surprised for a lot of managers, unless you've been listening to us a very long time, because we've been doing this a very long time now. I think we surprised when we tell them not to rank candidates as they're interviewing them, right? Individually or collectively. Yeah. And the fact that it just completely biases the whole hiring process. Yeah. It's really common to rank candidates. It is it is probably the conversation I hear the most when I'm talking to clients who are interviewing, you know, who's our number one, who's our number two, so on. There's actually pre-ranking before, I mean, after a half hour phone screen and look at a resume, um, there's, oh, this, this person's my best person, who, who looks best on paper, who has the best experience, who is doing best during the interviews. And all of that is ineffective because it biases people. And it's misleading to have a number one ranked person after simply a phone screen. Yeah, I'm glad we're covering this because if you're a manager in this situation, you've been doing this. It makes complete sense, right? You're like, no, oh, no, that's the way to that's the way to do it. That's how everybody does it. But no, you're going to share why. Why not? <laughs> Obviously, the purpose of interviewing is to find reasons to say no. It becomes harder to say no to someone who is ranked number one. It's just a function of confirmation bias. Yeah, she's my number one person. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> How could it be no? Yeah, so so four points we want to make. First, ranking is understandable. So if you've been doing it, we understand it. It happens all the time. Number two, the problem is ranking is comparative. You're comparing candidates rather than normative, which is comparing them to the norm, which is the job. And as I mentioned, early rankings bias your decision just because of confirmation bias. And again, the criteria to apply is the norm of the job to compare each candidate to the norm rather than comparing each candidate to one another. And we're not even going to talk today about the danger of comparing people to one another. Um, that creates all kinds of weaknesses and issues in many, many professionals. Yeah. Well, folks, like I said earlier, right, if, if you're comparing people today, if you're ranking people, it's natural. It's just a natural response when hiring. Managers do it all the time. It's kind of part of human nature to compare folks to one another. Yeah. And um, we compare new people that we just meet to people we already know. We create analogies to help us sort the people that we meet and decide who we like and who we don't like. Oh, she's like her or he's like her. Or she reminds me of my best friend so-and-so. And hiring is often looked at, you know, as race. If you're comparing multiple folks, it's Natural to think of, you know, somebody racing to the finish line and well, that's, yeah. you know, somebody's got to win and who's, who's in, who's in the lead right now around corner number two. It's, yeah, it's horseman by a, by a nose. And the issue with that, of course, is it makes complete sense, but usually that comes from how candidates feel 
when they're interviewing, they're looking around and assessing the field. So if you've been a candidate, and surely you have, you felt that feeling of being in a race for number one. Even though that's reasonable to understand if you're a candidate, it's not a smart way to think if you're a hiring manager. And you make it worse because when you start having rankings, you start having handicaps. You know, oh, well, this guy did better for this reason or that reading reason and, and so on. So our point is it's normal. We hear it all the time. And we're just saying here it's ineffective. Stop doing it. Uh, it creates biases in terms of how we think about people. And, you know, I think the, the big issue is that when we when we think about hiring, we think about being normative. And that's not what ranking is. Ranking is comparative. Yeah. So think about this situation. You and your team have spent the last three days interviewing six candidates. You've each interviewed your own way, which is dumb, based on how each of you were taught to interview or more likely not taught how to interview. That's why we have our effective interviewing conference. You've told your team to rank order the six candidates, and they go ahead and do it. As it turns out, their rankings are pretty similar, and you come up with an agreed-upon group ranking. So, as it turns out, everyone agrees on whom the number one candidate is. So, in most people's minds at this point, it makes sense then uh, to offer the number one candidate, right? Actually, no. No. Not, no. not necessarily. That if you have a race or a comparative or a ranking mentality, then it's inevitable that the ranking is the number one person is going to get the offer. Okay? That's the way people think. Well, that's makes, that makes sense. In any race, the number one person wins. I mean, that's how, right. that's how races work, dude. Come on. Okay, but, but let's, do, let's think of it differently. Rather than turning our ranking order into an ordinal list of numbers one through six, let's plot them on a bell curve, a normal distribution, a Gaussian curve, right? Yeah, I, I see that at the racetrack all the time. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm with yeah, you. Exactly, yeah. The more you move right as you picture that curve in your head on the curve is better. So when we are rank ordering, we're putting dots on the curve left to right, number six most left, number one is right most. The second best candidate is to number one's left. Number three is shown on the curve somewhere to the left of number two, and so on. If I look left to right, then I get a ranking. Yeah, you do. Exactly. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you're still with me. Good. Okay. And so the assumption is to choose the number one candidate, the rightward most candidate, because in terms of a bell curve, that person's performance overall would be best, most rare, and furthest from the average. Okay. But what if I showed you my listing of the six candidates in the exact same order as yours, but my number one candidate, the rightmost candidate, was left of the center of the bell curve? Mm-hmm. In other words, my best no 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 my best candidate is below average for the job in the mind of the the bell curve. Would you still be keen on hiring? Our agreed upon number one candidate? No. Probably, <laughs> I can't, no, I can't say yes wouldn't. to that, right? And the reason why is because placement on the graph, on the bell curve, implies a normative standard, right? If I put them way to the left, it implies that my bell curve is not just about the six candidates, but also about the job. Yeah. And if the center is average, 
Yeah. And everybody's below average, and I certainly don't want to yeah. hire them. Matter, matter of fact, I, I say average is probably not the standard I'm looking for <laughs> either. Yeah, and I'm being a little unfair because people are saying, Mark, that's never happened to me. I said, well, yeah, I said, yeah, you're right, because the reason why it never happens to you is you really need to hire somebody, and your number one person looks better and better every day, every hour that you're interviewing when people continue to say, oh, yeah, he's number one, he's number one, he's number one, he's number one. Well, what you're, I mean, what you're doing over the period of interviewing, you're, you're skewing the graph off to... The yeah. left, right? You're 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 changing where the the norm is. You're saying the norm is the the the, the average, average of the, of the people I've interviewed. And if you just exactly. happen to reach a bunch of bad candidates, that's that's not good. Yeah, and then you get somebody in the meeting go, yeah, but he's actually not as good as like one of our average people. Oh well, he'll get better. And 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 of course now we have this whole problem of I need to hire somebody. I really do. I I have urgency. Um, and as we've said before. The only thing worse than an open position is filling it with the wrong person. Right. And folks, obviously, I'm messing with Mark a little bit to make this a little bit of fun. But if if you have or you know somebody who has hired somebody and then had to fire him, this is yeah, how it happens. Exactly. What do we call in our two-by-two two matrix? We call that living hell or something like that, that quadrant of hiring the, the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. So – Comparative rankings, when you compare them, when you rank order people, justify hiring the best candidate without ever asking whether the best can be effective in the role. And you'll notice one of the things I said when I set up my thought experiment is everybody does their own interview, which ought to prove to everybody that there is not an agreement upon what the job is. It's in the mind of a bunch of people. Well, the further you get away from the person who does that job, the less likely to be accurate somebody's assumptions are about the job. I mean, we can show you thousands of hours of videotape of managers asking ineffective, inefficient questions. And I'm not talking about if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? That's just ludicrous. That's, that's insulting on its face or, or color or, hey, you're stuck in a blender and you're one fiftieth the size of yourself. And, you know, come on. Uh, and by the way, those, those types of questions, folks, are now widely disregarded. They were popular years ago, but they're no longer used to any significant extent in places that know what they're doing. Let's put it that way. And of course, if it happens to you one time, it's so wacky that you're, because your memory is emotional, you'll remember it in the same way that we all believe opposites attract when in fact opposites don't attract. The data are pretty clear on that, but our, our brain remembers things in funny ways. So we rank these candidates based on all kinds of bad choices when in fact, we ought to be comparing them to the job. And I'll tell you something else. Ranking candidates is the equivalent of grading on a curve. Yeah, exactly. Now, when I say that, some people are listening going, well, I, didn't, I actually didn't mind grading on a curve. Well, you did mind if you were the person who aced the test and nobody liked you because therefore they failed. Yeah, well, it's great, it's great people on a curve, so we get a bunch of <laughs> yeah. average or below average people that feel they did really well. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. If you combine a bad batch of candidates and a sense of urgency in the hiring manager and a lack of uh, synchronicity among the interviewers and a lack of clear understanding of what the interviewers should be looking for and how to interview, and then you give the best of those people who in that interviewing process, which has no 
substance or credibility to it. If you give the best of them an A, you know, an A grade, that A doesn't mean you're hiring a valedictorian. It just means, well, you know, if we have a bunch of people who aren't very smart, we'll still make them feel good by giving them good grades. That thought just scares me. So the next time when you think about putting people in a ranking, think about putting them on a normal curve. And then before you do that, put a line where somebody has to be two thirds of the way across the curve, nine tenths way across the curve, wherever it might be. Not that the curve ever ends, of course, and say, if they're not that good, we're not going to hire them. Yeah. And if you're number one out of all the people you interview, your number one doesn't get across that line, then you go back to your pile of resumes and start yeah. over. Right? You yeah. don't hire the number one. You, you, go, you go back, start over. There you go. Good. Yeah. I, I think the, what you just explained is good enough reason not to rank. But there's more, right? Cause, oh, yeah. Because early rankings bias decisions in some exactly. pretty gross way. Yeah, the moment interviewers start thinking about having to rank candidates, the biasing process starts. If I know, as an interviewer, I have to come into an end-of-day discussion of candidates, and I know I'm supposed to have a ranking, I start handicapping the race immediately. I compare resumes. I probably have a favorite. But that's not smart, because resumes are very different from interviewing somebody. Everybody's seen that. If we can make wise distinctions from a resume, why are we spending so much time and thought and money on interviewing? Further, how many resumes have we all seen that have been proven to be hollow? As we've said before, the classic example of resume hell is the person who got fired from a job. In today's modern world, knowledge of how to do a resume is so bad. And if, and if you need help, folks, there's a cast for that. It's called Your Resume Stinks. And what they do is they put they don't know how to do a resume. They don't know how to separate responsibilities and accomplishments. So they put a bunch of bullets on their resume that are basically our responsibilities. And maybe there's an accomplishment or two mixed in there. The problem with that, folks, is that's exactly the kind of resume that somebody who was fired from the job that you, you had wants you to create because that's no difference than their, different than their resume because that's all they can put if they got fired for lack of performance is what their responsibilities were. And so, therefore... You look just like them. And therefore, when you get into interviewing that person, hopefully you can discover they're not that good if they're interviewing for a similar job working for you. Look, if we're doing screening correctly, interviewing someone simply means we haven't yet found a reason to say no to them. To find things to like, which is what ranking encourages you to do for those candidates who are better, to find things to like about a resume is to focus on positives. Again, the antithesis of effective interviewing. The purpose of effective interviewing is to find a reason to say no. Rankings create biases, which then creates an uneven playing field for the person who's in the lead and for the person who's in last. The guy who's number one gets looked at more favorably. We start looking for positives among the number one. We don't want to have ranked somebody number one and then interview them and find out we were wrong. We also interview much more casually. If we believe there's already a ranking, our brain starts cherry-picking things to support the ranking, and we don't really dig to find negatives about the top candidates. Yeah, basically confirmation bias, right? Yeah, and the candidate we rank as number six has blemishes all over them, and it's because we're looking for blemishes. 
which is interesting because that's what we ought to be doing with the number one candidate too. That's right. And so the, you know, the easy solution to all these problems is to apply a normative view to the, to the job and to the, the needs yeah. of the organization. When you're interviewing an individual candidate, we recommend you think about the candidate and the job. The right approach in interviewing is to not think at all about comparing candidates to one another. The right approach is to compare them to a clearly defined norm or standard, which most people don't have. And that's why we tell you that spending time understanding what the job is in advance and considering that in the last couple of years, the job may have changed. That's a, a hugely important part of being an effective interviewer. Analyze the job, develop behavior, behavioral criteria that will separate those who can do it from those who can't. Or those who have done it from those who haven't. <laughs> exactly. And that's why we recommend people who are doing the job conduct the interviews, in part. Now, look, there's one place where managers, some managers, think ranking is justified. And it's possible that this part of the system causes people to believe in rankings. And that is the exception is where what do we do if we have two or more candidates who meet the normative standards? In other words, let's say we did have a normative standard and our process tells us that both of them can do the job well enough to justify hiring both of them. Now, this is more complicated than it sounds, but if you've spent your entire time ranking and you've never had a normative approach, you've never, you've never set a clear delineator of whether or not the person can do the job and so on, then you've used the ranking criteria all along and you've probably had a less than stellar interviewing result. So it's harder to convince your boss, if your boss were Mike or I, to justify that your interviewing process is good if you've hired some people who didn't turn out that well. And so, therefore, the idea of you having two people who are good enough, I'd probably raise my eyebrows. That said, if we find two people who are good enough, why wouldn't we make a case to our boss that we ought to hire both of them? I mean, let's agree that interviewing is not a perfect predictor. It's not even, in many cases, a good predictor. And the way it's practice in most organizations today, it's a fairly below average predictor, in my opinion. So let's not suggest that our number one and number two ranking of the two candidates, let's say that we did, they did pass the norm. Let's not suggest that those people actually are going to end up being ranked that way in their performance, the job. That's a flip the coin kind of thing if they both pass the, the standard. So what many people are thinking is, well, well, my boss wouldn't allow me to pick two, so I can only pick one. And so therefore, choosing number one from number two might feel like a form of ranking. We get that. We do. Yeah. And, you know, you hire them both or recommend one of them to somebody, you know, one of your peers. There's all sorts of things you can do. But if somebody said this to me, the, pro the question I'd ask them is, well, how often when you're interviewing, do you have multiple people that meet your standards? So, oh, it happens all the time. It's like, uh -huh. dude, that's the problem, which is you, you need to set the bar a little higher. Right. And here's the final point about ranking candidates who, if there is a norm, the number one and the number two, here's the problem with that. We're not ranking number one and number two. We are comparing number one against the job and comparing number two against the job. And so if you have two people who meet the norm and you haven't done ranking, if they're just two people that are good enough, then you start asking, okay, let's compare each one of the norm again and ask which one do we believe is a better hire for us now?
Okay. And it could easily mean that a year from now, that comparison to the norm and who is better now could come up with a different result. But more importantly, we're not comparing them to each other. We're comparing them to the job. That's right. And I'll tell you, if you're a candidate and you spend the day with other candidates, many companies bring people in on the same day, you don't want to be compared. Most people don't. It's old fashioned, but we don't compare people. We don't judge people. People don't mind being evaluated against the standard. They don't like being judged. And ranking when you're interviewing is a form of judging. So don't do it. Yeah, I never like being compared against my brother. <laughs> I learned that when I was a young child. Yeah, I wish you were more like your brother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes me always made me feel good. All right, my friend. Enjoyed it. Thanks, partner. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week. Have a great one. So long. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want. With easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manager Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did. <laughs>